This is God's Only Man Part 2. We talk about the sci-fi elements of God's Only Man and how they play into the world. Technology is moving faster than our then we can uh, wrestle with some of the questions that it raises, um, not just, you know, philosophically or morally, but also legally. And so um, with this podcast, I'm talking about a lot of those things um, within this film that I want to do called God's Only Man. I wanted to talk about the sci-fi aspects of, of God's Only Man. And there were a couple of ideas that were sort of, um, I thought would be relevant. Um, just because I don't think that we were asking a lot of the right questions um, when it comes to certain things. So I, I just wanted to um, bring up some of those ideas to um, sort of see if we couldn't ask the right kinds of questions um so one of the things that I wanted to bring about in the in this sci-fi film one of the ideas I wanted to explore was this idea of artificial intelligence and um the the just like in taxi driver we the idea is somehow that Travis Bickle is ex-military right probably ex-vietnam vet right and this sort of adds to his uh maybe the reason why he's unstable you know um the, you know it adds to that sort of moral ambiguity of things you know um i mean technically there could be a whole reading of taxi driver in a post-vietnam that sort of world, you know, um, completely about how, you know, morals get twisted and, and turned inside out. When you come back from a traumatic experience. But not just that, just like, like it's a reflection of how the intent in going to Vietnam was one way. But its outcome and the way in which you went about trying to, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Exercise that intent was completely fucked. Um, so in this world that I, I've been thinking about, um, artificial intelligence taking over military operations like the grunts that do all the heavy lifting in war and all the sacrificing they would be now artificial intelligence and so um, the way that I've got the film starting off right now is that uh, they're sort of in a church basement or something and it's a support group for ex-military ex who have been replaced by right. artificial yeah. intelligence right. synthetics you know um, and so that's the um, 
that's the thing I'm getting at. And they call them synths, you know, or synthetics. And so these former soldiers are wrestling with these ideas of what, it likes, what it's like to be replaced. And so um, the funny thing, though, is that these are the last sort of real soldiers. They don't, the military doesn't completely go to synthetics. They have synthetics working alongside soldiers because the soldiers can make those morally ambiguous sort of decisions when they're in combat, when they're in situations that it's like, it's not always clear, you know. Right, like where, what are the rules of engagement? Engagement, right. What is the definition of a theater of war? When do you have the ability to fire or not fire? All of those things. You can have some kind of remote agent that does these things, but they're not making a decision on when to do them, right? Right. And that's think, what you're saying, is you, right. you need some, somebody so, on the ground to make that decision. So when I was first thinking about artificial intelligence, I was reading up, Wired Magazine had this whole issue dedicated to AI. And one of the things that people were bringing out, or bringing up, was this idea that what we think of as coming to pass as this artificial intelligence thing is way more difficult than anybody could imagine. Like the artificial intelligence thing is a much more difficult thing to program and to get off the ground than anyone could have ever possibly imagined. Right. Like well, we yeah, imagine yeah. we imagine people coming we, we imagine artificial intelligence like Blade Runner. Like that's like a a long way off. Right. A way long. The idea of a, a general intelligence that is autonomous and can make nuanced no, decisions way, that relate to us. And also, a lot of times that these things are presented to us, they're presented to us in something that we recognize as very close to human. They're not presented as as the AI nightmare. Right. You know, like, like a, there's one of these examples. I can't remember who brings the example of like a unintended consequences of something like of automation or artificial intelligence would be some machine that makes forks and its whole entire purpose and goal is to make forks but what would it do if there were no humans around or what would it do if there was no one around to tell it that it should stop making forks its entire motivation is i need to make more forks right and that could take you to a very wildly bad and unexpected place if left unattended and if not properly thought through. Right. But the thing is that the the way that... So, like, <laughs> there are things that we sort of take for granted, right? Common sense. Not even common sense. Just, like, things that we take for granted when we're growing up when, from as children, right? That we know automatically because we live in the world and we're taking in massive amounts of data. And we're inferring, right? Like basically we learn from example and inference. Right, so so artificial intelligence, you can, artificial, artificial intelligence can say, you have to tell artificial intelligence that a house can't fit inside of a car. It knows what a car is, it knows what a house is, but it doesn't know that a house can fit inside of a car. It doesn't know that that's not possible. 
You have to without, literally no, tell it. You mean without without defining some parameters for exactly the size so of you, a house. You need to say because a dollhouse could fit inside of a car. Right, right. That's like a very fine distinction right. for something like for us. That that's yes. I see the dollhouse. I see a house house. Right, and I see the car. Those three immediately, the relation in terms of size is is apparent. But but that not not, not that might not necessarily be the the case in right. You know some you you need to program that. Right. You you need to like put point it in the right direction. It it's not give it those rules. Right. And so it, the the it's much more difficult to program AI than anybody could imagine. And this so this brings so the really cool thing about one of the articles in Wired was this guy Friston who came up with this idea of he sort of has this sort of like grand unified theory. Uh, called the free energy principle. And so f- based on how I understand it, free energy is when you don't know what to expect. And your whole, like the whole, um, the whole goal of any organism, any living organism is to limit free energy. Right. So you're trying to not be surprised, you know, so like when you're a baby and you take your, you know, when you take your pacifier, your rabbit, you throw it out of out of the crib. You don't know what's going to happen. It falls. Then you grab something else and you throw it out and it falls. And you're surprised by the idea that it falls. Right. Like, oh, that's what happens when these things go outside. When I throw these things they hit the ground and then after a while you go okay right. i i'm no longer surprised by the idea yeah there are these, there are these kind of constant fall. feedback loops pain is another one like now if you climb to the top of your crib and you fall out and you bust your butt now you've experienced pain you're like climbing that a crop at the top of the crib is right. a bad idea right like you have these reinforcements in but, the environment that kind of teach you what to do even, and what not to do. Or but what it's your even more subtle are. than that. So like climbing off the top, climbing over the top of the crib to climb out and falling hurts, right? But if I climb out in a certain way. And I don't fall. And I don't fall. Or I'm able to, my foot is able to reach the ground, then I won't fall. But the you have, th- this is all knowledge that's literally building blocks that building one on, on top of the other right and so all living organisms whether they're cells according to friston whether they're cells or they're animals or they're human beings are trying to limit the surprise what they don't know they're trying to limit what they don't know and what they don't know and what they can't what they can't possibly know is called free energy it's, that's why it's the free energy principle, and so every living organism is trying to organism is trying to limit free energy, and you limit free energy by learning, right? So you figure out stuff, and then you are no longer surprised when something happens, right? So if you, you know, if you strike a match and it lights a fire, you know you're not going to be surprised by the fire. But the first time that somebody lights a match in front of you and you're a little kid, you're like, whoa, that's kind of 
crazy. But after a while, you get used to it. And when you get used to it, you've no, you're no longer surprised by it and you've limited that aspect of free energy. So I, I thought this was really interesting and it got me thinking, these AI are very limited. Like they can shoot stuff, they can take a bullet, they can you throw back a grenade. In the context of back your, in the context uh, within the film that the AI, the synthetics can that are replacing soldiers can do all that stuff. They can do that grunt work stuff, right? Dig a ditch, whatever, drive a car, drive a tank. But the idea that they can take a life. They can do that too, but but the idea of when to take a life, right? And this is something that not even human beings can get right, right? So like even human beings can't get that part of it right, but there's a better chance that they're going to get it right at the beginning part of this technology. There may be a point in time, like way down the line, when the technology might be able to make that decision better than human beings are. I'm not saying that that's not possible. In the world that I'm creating, this is a new phenomenon where artificial intelligence is taking the place of soldiers and when they're first when the Pentagon first implements these ideas, they have soldiers alongside them sort of literally training them. So these guys who are sitting in this sort of in this um group therapy session are literally training their replacement. You know, like that's that's what their orders are. And then eventually they're completely replaced. But they're only completely replaced once the military figures out that they can switch from they can switch these artificial intelligence synthetics to autonomous drone not autonomous but drones right so in other words you have you have a soldier a human being alongside a synthetic that's making all the decisions and passing out all the orders but then what happens is in the second, in sort of like the AI 2.0, AI soldier, synthetic soldier 2.0, they can become drones. So now you can send them out into the field, right? And somebody's always sort of watching. And you can program to go, I'm not really quite sure about this situation, so I need to call somebody in. And then somebody comes in and they pop up the screen and they go, they literally take over that AI. So you're saying they just supersede. Right. They supersede autonomous their autonomy. Right. And they just go, okay, you don't, I'll take care of this from here. I'll make the decisions as to what we're doing and what we're doing. But they don't have to do that the whole way. Right. Basically, that's still training. Right. Right. So the AI could be watching. Right. How a person made this decision, how they dealt with a situation. And then if they've come across enough situations, at some point, they won't need to call back. Right. Right? Because you're you're getting feedback. You're capturing metrics. You'll see, oh, hey, when did this AI... Right. I don't know. You have some something that says, okay, after 100 tries, we'll let an AI make the decision right. on its own one time. And then we'll just study, did it make the right decision? Did it make the wrong decision? Right. But the, So all this is background, right? This is really background. Uh, yeah, I got to tell you, that's actually a pretty frightening idea. I yeah. don't think that anybody would feel comfortable with that, like seeing that 
seeing a, a drone just take the decision. Like, I can make a perfect shot through this window and take out that uh, suspect person over there who's, you know, who's my enemy. I get to make that decision, right? Or this time I have to call somebody. That whole thing is, that's terrifying, right? I mean, that's that's the whole thing. In Blade Runner, aren't they not allowed to kill? Right. right? They, the have, they have, the directive is right. they're not allowed to do that, right? But, but. But it's chilling. Like, if you were to see that on a screen, I mean, you've, we've seen it before. We've seen Terminator, right? right? It never turns out well. Yeah, but the thing is, the funny thing is that some of these models are combat models. Right. So they're trained not to, they, they can't kill another human being, right? They're using Asimov's law, right? Uh, but then they're soldiers. Like, they're machines. They're designed to kill, right? So, and they can only do that in, in within the Blade Runner. Within the film itself, they're only allowed to do that off-world, right? right? But then they come back, and it's like, it really isn't, there's anything to stop them from doing it on world right <laughs> you it's, know the point is they, they no no one's just no one's seen them do it right in, in the blade runner films no one's seen uh one of those replicants kill somebody right right like we know what happens that they can kind of you know design logic to get around that to say well right if i felt threatened right and if it was in self-defense i felt threatened gee that sounds like Sounds like an excuse. A certain group likes to use. It's a subtle, it's a subtle dig. <laughs> I, I, I definitely read it that way when I watched it. Like After you see it a couple times, you're like, that's really interesting. Right? I mean, like this is a general application of uh, something that I encounter frequently in my interactions with law enforcement. Yeah. Right? I, you see that there. I don't think that it's not explicitly kind of part of that narrative but it's there right and so the thing so the thing is that these guys are are having this group therapy sessions where they're talking about what it's like to be replaced you know what it's like to these are people who have for one for one reason or another are career soldiers who are no longer needed and no longer necessary and so they're in this group session yeah, talking I, I, about I think that's that's that would also be terrifying to a lot of career military, like the idea that maybe you could one day be replaced. You know. I think some people would see that as a net benefit. Right. Just because there aren't people who have to go through the trauma of war. Right. Who don't have to deal with PTSD. But you do have a very large standing military. And in other parts of the world, you have huge, huge military complexes. Like, could you imagine if you were to say... China was going to build robots and replace their entire standing army with machines. That would be that's a huge swath of their population that is no longer right. You I know think, what I mean? Like it, it has some some kind of so that's one of the things that I non obvious but very far reaching um, right. But that's what one of the things that I also want to bring into this science fiction thing is that there is a. A universal basic income because the AI has gotten to the point where it is doing all this work for us so there is a universal basic income but the way that I always imagine a universal basic income if this is going to come to pass is that it's never going to be enough it, it's not going to be enough because that's just the nature of it 
people always have to keep chasing a dollar. That's how you keep them busy. That's how you keep them from thinking. That's how you keep them from pursuing any sort of political betterment for their life is you keep them chasing for a dollar. And when they're busy doing that, they don't have time to think about anything else. They don't have time to make, ask the right kinds of questions. Well, let's put it this way. If, if I'm on rung number one of the ladder, there's got to be at least 10 more rungs. Mm-hmm. And you have to let me see all nine of the rungs that are above me. Otherwise, right. rung so, one is good enough, right? So I these, mean, these guys are getting a universal basic income, but they still have to find some kind of side hustle on the side. And that's where our lead character comes in, you know, where it's like he's one of these guys who's trained this AI. He's trained these, these synthetics. Now he's out of a job. And he's, you know, he's got his universal basic income, but um, he also works. He's found like a little niche, a black market niche, where he it works as a cab driver and sort of security, right? So, if you need to go somewhere, and you need to, you need somebody to look out for you, then he's your man, right? And so um, that's his that's his job now, you know. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring about in the future, and this is in terms of us with um, our, um, our our own political situation, is that, and our you know ecological situation, is that in this future, um, raw materials are hard to come by, right? And so, you can. This is. I'm trying to make two things sort of kind of converge here where you have 3D printers. You can print anything. Uh, So getting parts for your car or fixing a pipe for in your house is something that you could just print it in your house and you're done. You don't necessarily have to go to Home Depot. You don't have to go to... Right. Nobody has to manufacture these things for you. Right. What you need is raw material and a printer. But the problem is that raw materials are becoming harder and harder to come by because we keep screwing up the earth and everybody's, you know, it's a mess, right? Uh, and I, I, I just think, <laughs> like, uh, like, the moment that we're able to figure out how to make all these things within... Our own, we we don't have to manufacture tons of these things. We can inva- manufacture these things as we need them. Right. The moment we're able to do that, we're going to run out of raw materials to do so. That just seems to me like the kind of mess that humanity is always getting into, you know. Um, and so, the reason I'm incorporating that into the film is because we're not going to have a lot of money to make this film. Right. So making a new making the film look futuristic is going to be difficult. But if people don't have a lot of raw materials to create Basically, something you're new, saying at some point things are somewhat at a standstill. Yes. Right? Like you you've gotten to the point where okay, uh the oceans rose, a bunch of manufacturing was totally screwed up much of infrastructure because of changes in the earth Mm -hmm. is screwed up and that we took maybe a 10 or 20 or 30 year hit in terms of what we're able to produce what we're able to manufacture and 
to deal with that for 20 or 30 years, we now had to come up with a global way of re-architecting all of our infrastructure. And we know that that's going to happen probably again. Like the minute you're done doing that, right. here comes the next wave right. of destruction and you're, you're stuck. Right. Right. So we're saying maybe right now is, is the golden age. Right. And, Pretty much. and so things don't look different yeah, it's basically, 50 years from right, now. Right, 50 years from now. They're still, we still don't have jetpacks or flying cars. Right. <laughs> we haven't fucking gotten to the moon. We haven't gone to Mars. None right. of that should happen because, you know what? You you fucked up the Earth, and, and okay, right. here's what you, you get. You've essentially yeah. depleted the resources that you have. Right, like, they'll, there will, have. of course, be some private individuals. Right, who can get whatever they want. Right, you know, the, I mean, you've we've all seen Elysium, right? right. Like, you know that they'll have something. It'll be better than what we have. They'll be on the ninth or tenth rung, right? While we're still on rung one. So, that's that's a, that, and for me, this is important as a, you know, both as a device from a practical sense, right? Because I have to, but you, have, but look, you, if you're going to be a guerrilla filmmaker, that's not going to get a lot of money to make a film. They need to bake in. Right, those limitations into the script, into the actual story, right? So that you're taking yeah, the limitations it's, it's, it's and you're using them to yeah, your it's advantage. It's a feature, not a uh, not a defect. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so that was the 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 thing that to help us get over, at least uh, financially, with how this world doesn't look much different than the world we're currently living in. I mean, the good thing for you is that if you were to go the route that we were saying with, like, graphical overlays, that kind of thing, you avoid a lot of these things right? that are kind of necessarily expensive, and you can do them in a more cost-effective way using off-the-shelf technology. So that in and of itself is just good as an approach. And so the other thing, too, is that um, when, when we're talking about these girls being kidnapped and used for this sort of, uh, you know, uh, um, slave, sex slave trade, you know, thing, the, the people, quote unquote, that are doing this are military AI. So they're the same synthetics, but now those synthetics are no longer something that are exclusive to the military. Right. Now we've got private military contractors who are also using synthetics, right? And the way that I imagined it is that, you know, the military wasn't going to allow anybody to use these synthetics outside of itself until they became until it became possible to make them drones. When, when you could make them drones, then it was like, okay, well, we can have private military get into this technology because they can use drones. Right. They can be used as drones. And so... That also is pretty... That's pretty fucking terrifying, dude. I have to tell you. <laughs> like, when you think about what that means, that is not a good... Uh, wow. But... But if we were, but if, if, am I? You're not going anywhere that's not obvious, right? I mean, it's going to happen. Like we, we remember we had this discussion where I said to you, the AI become drones and you were like, that's, 
just totally against AI. And I'm like, yeah, it is against AI, but that's not the point. Well, it's it's not if you have a system that's trying to progressively refine its ability to make decisions. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just probably not the way I think that that people would think that this would happen. Right. That's right. the beauty of it. <laughs> right. I think this is kind of like this is it, it's more insidious than what you would normally think. But when you when you when you look at the what the military needs, like they already have this kind of thing where there are drones that fly around. They identify targets. They do this today. Right. And a human pilot pulls the trigger. Right. Right. Like the actual person who gets the PTSD is still a person. Right. Right. Because that drone doesn't feel anything. Bro. Right. Like you're pulling that trigger. It's not like a video game where I just killed a virtual no somebody knows i took that person's life and they've got to deal with that right they've got to wrestle with that what that means morally for them so the the you know um the other aspect to this is that in order for because things are um because you have this limited these limited resources right Capitalism has to find a, a new way to sort of continue to exploit, right? Yeah. And it, it it needs to to morph and and you know develop so that it can keep itself going. And so the thing that I've come up with is doing sort of like these digital overlays, like we were talking about, right. where we shoot plates. We put digital overlays over everything, and in the in this you know future, people don't really carry cell phones. What they do is they get contacts, contact lenses that they put on their eyes. So you get up in the morning and instead of checking your phone, you pop your contacts on, and you make your phone calls through your contacts. You send text messages, you watch videos, and but then on top of that, there's an augmented reality that layers over everything in the world. And the so in other words, two people can be sitting next to one another on a train or in a cafe or standing on a street corner, and they See, can be looking totally, out two totally different two things. totally different right. things. Because the I, world I is completely a, catered to you, and it's catering the the, yeah, the, the rose-colored glasses. The rose-colored glasses you're looking through are your, your particular rose-colored rose -colored glasses. glasses. I, I've got you. You know your augmented reality to get you to buy certain things or to participate in certain things, or, or whatever. even just to make the world look different. Right. Right. Like maybe you just can't stand looking at the world the way it is. Right. And so, but that right, like, I, I can but imagine people can. who just can, can't tolerate what's happened, and right. part of the psychological coping is looking at the world through these rose-colored glasses. And you can do that because what it doesn't—it it doesn't cost you anything in raw materials to digitally alter the world, right? Right. And so, people are walking around with this augmented reality that's layered on top of. I mean, I, the, the, I think, I don't know if we've ever had this discussion, but like what that's saying philosophically and from a psychology perspective is this kind of interesting. Like the fact that 
you are now creating your own illusion, right? Like there's already a layer of illusion to everything, right? right? But it's it's like, but you're not really creating your own illusion. You're sort of you're choosing to accept the illusion that's being fed to you. I mean, what what is you're shaping? You're shaping the illusion that people that that corporations want to give to you. You know, like it's it's sort of like you're not really in charge of it, right? Because there's still going to be, there's still going to be somebody who's going to try and influence what it is that you want. That's going to be constant, right? Right. I mean, otherwise, how do we get you to buy stuff, right? And I think in in this world, what people are doing is they're buying things to to supplement their augmented reality so that the world looks better. The, the, the world literally looks better. They literally pay to see the world better um, with these contacts. Is that a rent that they're paying? It's a rent. It's a rent because you don't own it. So you have a Netflix for reality now? Pretty much. It's a Netflix for reality, you know? And it, but the thing is that, you know, um, if you want your car to look a certain way, then you can, you can buy an upgrade and have that be that, you know, have it be the way that you want it to look. I also think that that upgrade that upgrade has to be um it has to have a certain there has to be a certain level in which everybody sees the same things and there has to be a part of the, another part where people don't see the same things so if i pay to have my car look a certain way then it looks that way for everyone and that's the reason why i'm paying because that right. is because when come, somebody sits in my car I want them not, to see not what only I do they see. see what I chose. Yeah, right. I don't. Not only do I see what I chose, but they have to now. See it. They also see right. What they I can't chose. change that. Right. They can change other things, but they can't change that. And that's why I'm paying. I'm, I'm going to tell you what. That's like saying we're basically sharing an illusion. Like we're we're deciding that the way we're going to deal with the way that the, the world is screwed it. up. We're 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 all complicit in the fact that we are putting on rose-colored glasses, tinting the world, and pretending that, no, this, is, this isn't a pile of garbage. Right. Or this building this isn't run This car isn't 35 down. years old. Exactly. We're, we're all going to choose. We're yep. going to strip the interior of this car, paint it with a special paint that now when everybody sits in here, it looks, it looks high-tech, baby. Right. We all see the same illusion. That's, right. that's pretty crazy. And so this is great because capitalism essentially, right, doesn't have to. Oh, it doesn't have to stop. But it doesn't have to create anything either. Right. It doesn't have to pull any raw materials out, and and you know it doesn't have to be a new car that has to come off of an assembly line. It's literally just okay. You want it to see it look like this, then it looks like this, and it costs you X amount of dollars to do so. That's why. And then you know, at a certain point, when our lead character. So, so, let me back up. So, when these girls are being kidnapped and trafficked, um, it's not being trafficked by 
the federal government. It's being trafficked by a military contractor. Right. And this military contractor is using these synthetics, these AIs, to do all the dirty work. You know, I was even going as far as to say is that he's the only human being in the corporation. That every employee that he has is essentially an artificial intelligence. And so... Or you mean every employee he interacts with? No, every employee that he has. So in other words... The character or the owner? The owner. The okay. owner, the, the, the bad guy who's trafficking the women. Right, I got His... You. Right, his whole, whole system, operation. his whole thing is, is not even dealing with humans because humans, humans are a little too messy. They have feelings. They feel bad about what they're you doing. You got to pay them. You got to pay them. You buy an AI once and that's it. You're done. And here's the beauty. They can be, you can work through them as a drone. So if they get into a situation that's kind of funky, just like in the military, you can you can step in. You can be the CEO and step in and go, okay, this is something that I have to personally deal with. You know, so I haven't written the scene yet, but I have this idea where the lead character confronts the military contractor and says, I want to talk to you face to face. And when he sits down to talk to him, the guy notices that he's not wearing his contacts. Right. And he says, well, how come you're not wearing the contacts? He says, well, I know that my, I know that that can be hacked so that I'll wind up seeing whatever it is you want me to, you see. Want me to see. And I need to see things as they are. As they are. Right. And not how anybody else wants to see them, not how specifically you. And also, not me, you know? Um, I think the thing, too, is that the technology will also react to some of the things that you might be thinking about. I mean, how many times have we, have you been talking about, oh, you know, I've been thinking about getting a computer, or I've been thinking about getting some new tires, and all of a sudden you go, to type in a search for a new computer or and new tires, and boom, it's like, oh, you were looking, you, you something about new tires? And you're like, what the hell is this? And I think that that's just only going to get more and more pervasive. Yeah, know? I mean, that, look, there's microphones everywhere. That, that's, that but if, problem but has already been solved. That game is already over. And but if you were, feels if you uncomfortable were, about it. If you're dealing with these um, contacts, that are constantly trying to alter the world for you, then, and you're making phone calls with them, and you're interacting with people online with them, then it's also going to hear what you right. want to see. Well, it's not even that. It knows what you're looking at. Right. Right? Like, it's, it's got a more... I mean, eye tracking is incredibly useful for certain types of things. Right, but so what I'm saying to you is that even he doesn't want to wear the contacts, not just because this guy could potentially hack them, but because his own prejudices could alter his augmented reality. Right. 
And so he's like, I got, I got to be, I got to be clear. You know, I got to walk in clear. And so those were some of the things that in terms of the sci-fi stuff that I thought would be interesting to talk about and, and have um, in the film. The other thing too is that um, the, the, the AI sort of connects to this other idea of the death of God, right? Right. So the reason a lot of people believe that the concept of God or gods comes about is because there are these mysteries that human beings couldn't handle and so they create a god or they create a set of gods and they give themselves a mythology to have an understanding of how the world works. And then as science and technology sort of marches on and we have a better understanding of how the world works and what's going on in the world, there's less of a need, at least from, from that perspective, for God. And then the other question then becomes that if you're creating artificial intelligence, right, then what use is God when you have artificial intelligence? When you can create artificial intelligence, then what's, what's the purpose of God? You know, uh, what purpose does God serve at that point? So the artificial intelligence aspect of, of the film ties back into its own, right. the, the, the larger themes of the death of God and what God is and uh, what God's purpose is. So uh, those are some of the things that I was thinking about tossing into the, into the film that I think would make it, th that sort of reinforced that whole, uh, the themes that, that we're trying to approach here and we're trying to, to portray. Um, yeah, I mean, it just, I also think it just makes it much more interesting having it set in the future, you know? Um, because I then personally, I personally just like the fact that uh, you've worked in a lot of the things that we're currently trying to deal with now, just with climate change, the environment, our politics, how all these things are related, global capitalism, and the way that the system in itself is supremely adaptable. Right. Right, like every challenge that's been faced by you know, free markets are kind of generally liberal democratic system and the way we have things set up, all of it, it all kind of perpetuates the same type of perpetuation of a concentrated wealth, mm -hmm. you know, and this need to constantly have people consume. Right. Right. And, and we're never going to stop trying to consume more like the consumption does not right, stop but now even, even when even when resources are actually restricted like right now we have a lot of kind of artificial um scarcity kind of introduced into the system but when actual scarcity is there yeah but even beyond, even then but even beyond that because like you there's the idea right there's 
when you're talking about this augmented reality and people paying to have their reality augmented, right? I mean, that's already happening now, right? So if you have certain political views and you do a Google search or you're on Facebook, you're going to see more you're of that stuff. Give, Absolutely. They're going to give you what you want. Yeah. They're not going to give you an opposing point of view, right? Because no they question. want to sell something. Yeah, well, that that's the whole thing. Right. They basically want to make the perfect echo chamber for you. Like the glasses thing is the perfect analogy. Right? Like I'm I'm gonna give you um exactly what it is that you want. And on top of that, I I'm also going to uh give you more of it. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the more of it you look at, it, it it's its own kind of self reinforcing feedback loop the same way as like you were saying before the baby throws a rattle right not imagine the baby throws a rattle and now you're just going to have 10 rattles in the crib the baby can keep throwing rattles right you're not actually learning anything you're right. just repeating the same thing ad nauseum you're caught in, in this in this loop right yeah. where you know you're rewarded for throwing the rattle and right. you you enjoy throwing the rattle now you're not questioning right why the rattle falls. You just like throwing rattles. But but does the rattle fall? If you don't want it to fall, what if you just want them floating in the air? I mean, you can have that. I understand, right? But you that's know? kind of getting past my point. It's more like... Right, but, but, but that's... It's not getting past your point because you can talk to certain people online, right? Who believe in Pizzagate. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's literally the rattle not falling. That's literally ridiculous. That's what that is. But I mean, but like like InfoWars and Alex Jones, that's the rattle not falling. I don't want the rattle to fall. I want it I want it to float. Okay, it floats then, you know? Because I can sell you a book, I can sell you a video, I can sell advertising on my show, right? Um, it's also this I also think that it's it's where we're at now today in terms of you know the digital space where you know we 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 have companies like Airbnb Airbnb is you know a vacation rental property company that owns no property you know uber is a cab company that owns no cars it's just like you know it's the next step is ar here's here's how we can make the world beautiful for you without having you know without having the world to be beautiful <laughs> you know, the world doesn't have to be beautiful. We can just make it beautiful for you. You know, um, that's 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 kind of crazy. You know, because then human beings become God, right? And then you have to ask yourself, well, if we're God, then what's the purpose of God? And then you realize that two thousand plus years into this whole ideology of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and the death of God that God's purpose is not to solve mysteries right as it's been portrayed for 2000 plus years but 
that God's purpose is totally different. And and that's where that's where a lot of the themes that I'm going to try and struggle with in the, in the film are. You know, that's why I thought the AI thing is cool. that's the last that's the last frontier. If you can create life, you can create intelligent life, then there's there's not much of a mystery beyond that. I don't know about that. You're I'm talking about I'm talking about the big mysteries. I'm not talking about the the, the tiny mysteries. I'm talking about the big mysteries it's that not people even, have. To me, it's not a tiny mystery. If you had a generalized intelligence, like I, I take kind of a different view here. Um, you have this thing where we have um, these systems that are learning and they're being preempted by us. Um, but the minute that that system desires agency, the minute that you start thinking about the rights of some type of intelligence, right? Like that is going to be that's going to be the source of conflict where some people are like what do you mean we created this it has no rights right it it does what i tell it to do it's just a machine right but uh if something is essentially doing the same thing that i'm doing if it is making decisions and it's able to make those decisions then me preempting it in the way that we're talking about if it is an actual generalized intelligence and if it is a quote-unquote form of life. You have these other ethical questions now where I've essentially just recreated robotic slave labor. Right. And you now have a new frontier for... A brand new surface of conflict. Right. And exploitation is just created. But for the big... You know, the reason... But what I'm, when I say to you that the last frontier... The last big question has been answered in terms of human beings making artificial intelligence is that oh you're you're saying the distance between the human and the divine exactly that, has that, been, that that's gap the last fully closed fully closed okay. that's a totally different yeah. thing i'm sorry i missed no, no, your no. point that that i i see what you're saying now. now yeah and so now what's the purpose of god if the if the gap between right i'm, I'm sorry that's, and that's a really obvious observation i'm sorry about that yeah yeah you know that's the thing where it's like okay well what's the purpose then you know what why why do we need this this story? You know, if God is a story, then what's the purpose of the story? I mean, this is something that I get into with people all the time, where, you know, people say to you, do you believe in God and all sorts of stuff? And I go, are you right with Jesus? Well, I, like, when I had my heart attack, my cousin came to me and asked me all these, you know, deep religious questions. And I said to him, you know, Look, the, the the way that I see Christianity and the, I define myself as a Christian because of the philosophy, you know, um, but the way that I see it is that, and I ask people this all the time and I ask this of my cousin, I said, just out of curiosity, if Jesus Christ never existed, if this is all just one big fat story to tell us, to I give believe. us a way... A philosophical basis yeah, for a, how a way to, to walk through the world and to not right basically step on everybody's toes and, and to be, try and make, to try as poss- much as possible to not make a fucking mess right so if that's the basis of it and there's no historical Jesus Christ he's not crucified that's just a story that's told does that take away from the from value of the story the value. But, but also by the values by which you live 
based on the teachings of Jesus Christ, right? Does that... I mean, I don't even think we even need to go that far. Look. We don't need to go that far. But what what I'm saying to you is that people, right? There are people now who completely believe in that story. That that's that's not... They, That's they, don't not, take, they don't take it as a... They take it as a history. Yeah, they don't take it as allegory. They're, they're like, this actually happened like right. this, and this is how it is. And right. I, I understand, but... I don't know. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it's not history. I'm not saying You're that saying it's all. immaterial. It I'm saying it it's not a question. It's right. not... It's not What you get from the it is more The golden rule is a good important. rule, man. Right. That's, <laughs> they do unto others. Right. That shit just... That, that's, it doesn't matter where you go. Right. If I treat you good, right. you're treating me good. Right. And if, if you're a dick, there's some places where people will treat you badly. There's other places where they might stab you in the kidneys. Right. Right? Like, the golden rule is just good. That That's that's a, that's a way to walk through your life and not have problems, for the most part. Right. To, to minimize conflict in your life. Right. Right? I mean... That just as a as a matter of contract between a bunch of people who have to interact, that's not a bad basis for a social contract. Right. right? So, so that's the thing that I always ask people who are religious. Like, you know, okay, you can study. You can, you can study the the Bible all you want, and you can take on take in all these, you know, uh, ideas. But my 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 question to you is. Are you wrapped up in the, the metaphor or in the value? Right, like the values to me are the more, the more way more point. paramount. Right, it's like, do you have good values? Yes or no? Because it isn't right. as if it isn't as if there's not a bunch of evil done in the name of religion. Right, or well, if religion is not used as the basis of right. I don't know every human conflict well, just about. Okay, so it's, so, so, so it's a weird thing, and I, I'm trying to see if I can remember this correctly, but. Uh, I think it's Nietzsche that says, um, without God, everything is permitted, right? And I think it's Zizek who says, no, he inverts it, right? He says, no, with God, everything is permitted. Because now you have, you can always say, well, God told me, God told me to have the Inquisition. God told me to have, you know, the Crusades. You know, you can just use God in any which way to do whatever you want. Yeah, I just looked that up. The, the quotes from uh, Dostoevsky. Oh, yeah. So it's not so right. So it's not. I was like, that doesn't really sound no, 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 no. to me. But, but yeah. and the quote is that. So with God. Without God, everything is permitted, right? Right. Right. And so Zizek inverts it and says, no, with God, everything is permitted. Yeah. I would say that given that it's a justification for everything, I can I can always find a some religious reason to justify right. the cruelty I'm doing. Right. Why I need to take your land. Why I deserve more than you. Why I'm right. chosen and you're not chosen. Right. Why you're an unwashed heathen and I should step right. on your head. Right. That can all. Why? Why you need to believe what I believe at the end of a sword? Yeah, why why or a you gun. need to wait your turn to have heaven? Right. But I'm having mine right now. <laughs> right. That's the one that always stuck in my craws. Like, Damn, bro, you're eating caviar. Uh, right. 
And I'm over here eating crackers and, and, and you know, saltines and cheese is what I've got. And you've got uh, delicious salty fish eggs over there. What's, what's that about? So, um, that's where that's where I think that the the marriage between the AI and the theme that we're talking about in terms of the death of God, you know, uh, I think those things all come to a head. And I think that that's I think that we're gonna have a resurgence of the death of God theology again. I mean, because really, what the death of God theology comes up when after World War II, right? Yeah. I mean that's a whole. I mean that that all of it, postmodernism, all of those things, basically, after the Second World War. Because the Second World War makes no sense to no one. Yeah, I mean at least the First World War, you could see. I mean that also didn't make a lot of sense either when you think about it. Right. Any, any of the very large conflicts, kind of just leave this philosophical swath of questioning. Right, but the them. thing about the thing about the First World War. Is that it's straight war, right? It's straight war. It's yeah. just the Second World War, right? And the, you know, like I want to, I want to go back to the Second World War. People say, oh, it starts when the Germans start with the Jews. No, it, it goes way before that. It starts with the Germans fucking with people in Namibia and killing off a million and a half people and practicing. The Holocaust genocide in Africa, in Africa. Yeah, before they bring it home, they had a trial run. Right. So for me, that's where it starts, and that's really bizarre because now, now it's not just straight war. Now it's like, okay, we beat you, and you know you're under our sort of rule, and that's the way it's going to be for the foreseeable future. It's like, okay, we beat you, you're under our rule, and now we got to get rid of a few folks because we just don't like them. We've decided that these people we don't like. And it wasn't just Jews. It was homosexuals. It was people with disabilities. It was people of color. It was people who were considered not pure. It Fuck it. It was even people probably who disagreed with the fascist tendencies. Right. I mean. Of the Axis powers. You basically can justify anything under those conditions. Right. Right, everything that is not in line with what you're saying is a transgression. So the death of God theology comes out of that amazingly heinous experience. You know, it's just people ask, right? At that point in time, like war. Okay, we can understand war, right? And you can even justify. Well, you can usually it. understand the reason to have to defend your country, right? But that's not what this was, no, right? Like this was, this was something entirely different. This right. was something that made you have to kind of step back and ask yourself, what What's the role of history? What's the role of religion? You've but got the, to question everything because. But the funny thing is that this is not the first time, right? This is not the first time that this happened. This is just, I think what happened was, it happened within a very truncated point in time. It was very truncated. So in other words, you could, what, what happened in World War II with the Holocaust, and we're going to put what happened in Africa Front underneath that, that, right? right? Uh, along with everybody else, homosexuals, um, uh, disabled people, 
you know, uh, developmentally challenged people, everybody who was deemed unfit. Okay, right. they they have like a a much more radical Spartan type of law. <laughs> right, but the thing is that 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 same thing was going on when Columbus invaded the Americas. Right, they decided, well, we're just going to wipe these people out. The thing is that that whole process of genocide in the quote-unquote Americas, right, took a longer period of time. It, it, it stretched out over decades, if not at least 100 years. Whereas the kind of wholesale slaughter of the number of oh, people... Oh, German engineering is incredibly efficient. Yeah. I mean, they, they had a whole plan for how they were going to wipe... They were like, I'm not taking 100 years. No, no, no. No, no, no. We're going to do this. We've got, we've, got, uh, we've got all kinds of implements of... Uh, you know, of extermination. Right, which is why the death of God theology pops up. You know, it comes out because it's like, wow, this is this is ridiculous. Right, this is on a scale that's just unimaginable. Right. You know what I mean? It's an atrocity that literally you can't wrap your brain around. Right. Like I, I always look at the whole the whole entire thing, like not just the people who were killed, not just you know, it, outside of Europe, within Europe. The soldiers in Russia, all of it. When you mm -hmm. look at the yeah. scale of this, it's just like, whew. yep. And this is not the result of a flood or lightning. This is people slaughtering people yeah. on a on a level scales. that just massive scales. You know, it, it makes it makes no sense. Like just just add it all up, add up all the Russian soldiers who died, add up all the Jews who died, add up all the Africans who died, all add up all those other people in between. Right. And just look at that. And yeah. that's... Add up all the people who... That's a huge, huge population. It's just... just disagreed. Right. <laughs> you know? Because there are quite a few. You know? But that's where the death of God philosophy just sort of pops up. The theology starts to pop up. And people have to contend with it, right? Because how could God let something like that happen? That's basically what it comes down to. It's like that joke that Zizek says, where the, the Jews are in heaven. These old oh, yeah. Jewish guys are in the, you had the to Holocaust be are in heaven. You, you, you wouldn't understand. You weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? just, I got to tell you, that is, uh, that's a beautiful So, so for phrase. folks who are listening, so there's a joke. The idea is that God must have been missing during the Holocaust because how could he have let so many people die, right? And so... There are a bunch of old Jewish guys and they're sitting in a park in heaven and they're chilling and they're joking about the Holocaust. And, how and they're saying, oh, Jacob, don't you remember when they were taking you to the gas chamber and you slipped and you hit your head and you died before you even got to the gas chamber? And they're like, oh, yeah, that was really funny. And they're laughing and God sort of overhears them. And he comes over and he says, you know, how can you guys laugh at these jokes? Like, like what's the deal? Right. God doesn't get it. Right. He thinks, how can you do laugh at something that's so horrible? Right. And so one of the old Jewish guys puts his hand on God's shoulder and says, well, you had to be there. <laughs> you know, um, that's the. That's that's so that's where all of this is. That's that's the irony. Like the irony of all that is that. You know, in the absence of any form of grace or any 
kind of consideration for your fellow human, how can you how can you not question? Yeah. Right. You look at all of that. You you just have to ask yourself why. Not not that people have never asked it before, but I right. think there was a willingness not to question it so explicitly. But there was there was that. But I also think that there was that there that the trauma that people faced within that very truncated period of time. Period of time. Not that there haven't been traumatic well, let me things ask within you, for a truncated the, the, period, but the also film. you also have to have this communication system. So you you people are realizing that other people are having these same thoughts, right? It's the 1940s. It's post-World War II. There is communication. You can get mail out. There is radio. There are people writing books. There are people, you know, going around. Discussing, having discussing a salon. Right. right? Like exactly. That whole thing. Like you know, so that's, the salon is not a, you know, high society thing. It's something where it can be a bunch of people who are... You know, having your just Friday night, it out. your Friday nightcap with a bottle chopping of whiskey and and talking, just it, chopping it, all it happens. up. But the point being, for from from the perspective of the film, what what then is the the conflict there? Is it just the fact that you now have an extreme situation in terms of resources, the the ability to create a new form of intelligence well that's the it. fact that you're displaced and all of this it just right but that's but but part is of it, it like another is it like a third type of questioning where you're just like okay look if you had any kind of uh <laughs> doubts about you right. know the death What's of god the, i mean jesus right but the, the thing is that right well that's when you when we close the gap with artificial intelligence right then i think that that's gonna create a situation in which people are saying, "What's the purpose of God?" If now we can be God, if we I don't, can even, be I don't know if it's necessarily that we can be God. But you the, have but, you have to you don't. But the mystery not was not everybody is over there creating AIs, right? No, but you're, no, you're but, there. no, but that's not that's not it. The thing is that human, we as human beings have figured out how to create artificial intelligence, right? Before this, right? Before this, we needed. Like I said, we needed God or gods to explain certain mysteries. You don't think the church is going to be over there banging their drums saying we shouldn't have AI? I, I don't think the church. I think actually I, the church might be I, fine I with see, it. I want to see an AI priest, man. I a- think AI priests aren't raping little kids, bro. I, maybe. I mean, to me, that, that, that would be the best. If the priest, given the sermon, is an AI, you have to have that in there. Yes, I use just as a as a as a as a. You can't because you know what it is is that the AIs are only. No, listen. You're saying a generalized intelligence. Yeah, Look, but they have. Yeah, but but that's a that but that being a being a priest. They don't have to be speaking to humans. If you're talking about uh, if you're talking, talking about, about AIs, can you can? If I you're know talking you hate about Battlestar Galactica, but hey, they can have their religion. No, man. but if you if you're talking about like some televangelist, sure. But if you're talking about a local parish priest who people come to to deal with heavy philosophical ideas, I don't think that you could have an AI that could do that. Why? Because you can't. Oh, really? The, have you seen Have you seen what the Associated Press is using to write most of their articles? No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying to you is what that. What I'm saying to you is recently, this week. That may be. This week, IBM, they had DeepMind. Right. Debating with a professional debater. 
right? And the DeepMind program that they used obviously could not debate as well as a professional debater, but it shows that in terms of logic and reasoning, that program is very far along. Right, but what I'm saying to you is in the world and in the time that the film takes place, the AI is there, but not there. It's almost there. I hear you. That's why they're that's why they can become drones. So that people can take them over and, and say, but now if you said to me that you wanted an AI to be a talent evangelist, sure. Those guys are already they're they're all that's their intelligence all is artificial. That, there's yeah. no there's no intelligence there. That's yeah. there's nope. a script for how you do that. Right. Put your hand on the TV yeah. and send you know me I mean? a dollar. I mean, if you I mean, want, if you on, want that's... Reverend, if you want Reverend Max Headroom, nah, man, that's I'm, not a problem. I'm, I'm, I want, I want Creflo Dollar <laughs> 2.0. I need a little more Creflo. You don't want no Reverend nah, Max Headroom. Man. Creflo's my boy. <laughs> Let me take. I need, I need uh, Creflo Android in his. Was uh, that his name, his Max six... Headroom? Yeah, Max Headroom was yeah. the. You talking about ABC, the television program? Was it ABC? I thought it was ABC. Oh, because then, then he had no life on MTV, right? Yeah, he was like a. VJ. It was on. It was on regular television, and then it was on right MTV. Yeah, and then the show was syndicated on MTV. But anyway, those are the those are the ideas that the way they so that what I'm trying to do is I'm not trying to have things in the film that are incongruous or kind of right. Competition that everything with sort of right. flows right. into they, another. I, I understand. Uh, I I personally don't see those things as. In competition, like I think, the minute you're even approaching a generalized AI, people are going to to do their best, or people are going to try and sell you that. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't have to be that the AI is actually a good priest. No. Right. The, this is all about intention and about whether you're being sold a bag of goods or not. Right. This is a Vatican-approved AI. Right. That's over there giving the Sunday sermon. Come on, man. You write a sermon. You deliver the sermon. I don't think that in the universe you're imagining, that AIs can't write good sermons. I think that in the universe you imagine, you can that write the, the AI sure. and an actual pastor, same thing, bro. They can be sitting down, going over a speech, and hey, man, you know, Father Crying just feels too. He feels too tired and too worn down today. To just get up at the pulpit. He's gonna send out the AI to deal with the masses. Like I said, I some people it. just couldn't get up to go to church on Sunday. They sent their their house cleaning drone to go attend church for them, <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. It's a bunch. It's an AI talking to a bunch of other AIs. So it's at that point, it's it's like it's an AI avatar. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that that's far off in the future. I think that no. there's definitely a future where. Our avatars are doing the things that we don't want to do for us, right? Including attending church. This this gets to another thing that remember Zizek was saying the perfect date for him, where you're not going to have right. any kind of uh, assault is okay. You know, you bring your fake vagina and he brings his fake penis he's got, and that's how you have uh, right. Then you know, the, like the sex toys have sex. Exactly, and you have the a sex toys have sex while you guys have a conversation, right? Like that's right. There you go. Yeah, I mean, 
it's out, it's out there. Like the things that you're saying, the things, the ideas themselves, they may not kind of come to people's minds immediately, but I think it's all in the back of everybody's mind that a lot of what we do has very little meaning. Right? A lot of the work we do has very little meaning. A lot of the things we spend our time on have very little meaning. And the only way we kind of give these things meaning now is by being acquisitive, right? Acquiring more things. Right. Getting a bigger house, getting a bigger car, getting a better car, having more than my neighbor. I'm not I'm not being facetious when I say this to you, dude. How many times do you see me in a different pair of shoes? How many times do you see me in a different pair of jeans? Like me personally, it's not that I don't have things that I want or I'm not acquisitive and I'm, or I'm not a consumer, but I want kind of a very small subset yeah. of things. Like right. I, I have I have a very kind of a carefully inscribed set of needs that I want to assign to myself and kind of follow those almost like a little religion. It's like, I'm going to do these things and I really couldn't give two shits about everything else. Right? Like I pay an exorbitant rent where I live. I could buy a house. I have no real desire to have that kind of debt looming over my head. Right? Like the idea that I'm going to somehow make myself better, feel better by having this thing that requires me to carry a certain amount of debt that I'm not comfortable with, it just doesn't sit well with me, right? Like if, if I, if I in 10 or 15 years could not discharge my debt to own a home, you won't see me signing my, my name on that piece of paper. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm of that sort of same, you know, like thought. my desire, my desire personally, I want to leave when I die, I, I want my daughter to have to go through, at most, two boxes of shit before they throw me in the ground or, or burn my body, right? Like, I don't want her to have to deal with my crap. I don't want her to be like, God damn, Dad. I mean, did yeah. you have to save every Everything. fucking back issue of the X-Men? You right. couldn't, have, couldn't have got them shits on the Kindle, bro? You've got you've got problems, bro. Like, your family's going to have to go through a lot of shit. My family is not. <laughs> yeah, I mean... But these are but the, the these are the things I see that are coming up on the horizon. And the thing is that people aren't asking the right questions. And what I want to get people to do is to recognize that you need to ask the right questions. And you need to struggle together. Right. But the thing is, before you even begin to struggle, you need to formulate the problem correctly. Because the problem that I think we have today is that we are formulating all of our problems in as every a reaction wrong well not even i wouldn't say just the wrong way we are a lot more reactive than we are proactive and we don't necessarily take the time to think things all the way through yeah but if you don't take but it's not so much look if you can't come up with an answer right then you're asking the wrong question well i i think i'll take something you've said before I'll, uh, before we even go there what do you want Right. Part part of getting somewhere, part of asking the right questions is knowing what your motivations are. Right. Like knowing the things that you want and need and being able to articulate That's those right. things. But and 
being able to do that with other people and kind of hash that all out. But if you don't think about that, if you don't think about that, then it's impossible for you to ask the right questions. That's the problem, right? So, like, the example I always use about the right question is every time the MTA decides to raise fares on the subways and buses and trains and the tolls and whatnot, everybody freaks out and says, how can this be? How can this possibly be going on? We have to fight this fare hike. And I go, no, you're asking the wrong question. You're fighting the wrong battle. You're not framing this in the way it should be framed. You can't see the MTA's books. Nobody can see their books, right? If you're able to see their books, then you're able to see whether or not they need the money or they don't. And then you can judge from there whether or not it's worth it for a fair hike. But if you keep fighting the fair hike, which you will lose every, every time, time, you're going to pay the money. Then no you're just going to keep you're just you're you're still going to be in the dark and you're going to have a fair hike. I'm not saying that once you can see the MTA's books, there won't be a fair hike. Right. But you will know, okay, they were telling the truth. I can see what's going on here. I can understand what the situation is. But right now, and the thing is that people are constantly, so they say, well, we're raising the fare. They get upset and they go, how can you raise the fare? Nobody sits there and says, well, let me see your books and see if this is necessary. Because I think that if we saw their books and we saw what was that, the, that this is what we're trying to do. This is where we need some more money and we're going to make things better. Then people, I think, would go, okay, I know that things are going to get better. But the problem is that the MTA is a highly secretive organization in which they don't talk about their plans. You don't know where the money is going and you have no idea. And so the problem is framed in the wrong way. There's also a lot of kind of unintended consequences. I spoke about this before. All those businesses that were on 2nd Avenue while they they were digging up (laughs) 2nd Avenue, that... That basically, if not a large majority of them, then some large portion of them are gone. Right. right? Like, because you can't, you can't have all of this construction going on, blocking access to your business right. and maintain some kind of ongoing business concern. You just, right. it's, just it's, it's incredibly disruptive. Right. Like, you're, you're just not going to, you're going to have to make some kind of hard decisions, right? But to get back to the bigger question, right, which is that people don't ask the right kind. They don't frame the issue with the right questions, right? They always just jump into, they get reactive, like what you were talking about before, where everything is a reaction. And so that's what I'm trying to get at with this film is we need to start asking the right kinds of questions. And in asking the right kinds of questions, the first thing, even before we ask the right kind of questions, is what are our goals? What is it that we want? Right. And then we can start to ask the right questions. Right? The right questions follow from there. Then you're in the right frame of mind to solve problems. Or at least to come to a consensus. Or to figure out that we're not going to come to consensus and now it's just going to have to be conflict. I mean, that's, that's the other part of it. Like when you're dealing with more than just you, it isn't always the case that we can actually come to an agreement, right? Like there are yeah. times where you're just going to be stuck, and it's right. I mean, you know, I, we can't move forward. Like, how can we move forward like this? Right, and and that's that's okay. 
you know, that's okay if you're, if everyone's clear on what the issue is and what the questions really are. And if we're actually wrestling with real problems right. as opposed to the manufactured problems and, and the, and that were essentially spoon fed. So that's the deal, man. That's where, that was some of the science fiction stuff, the science fiction elements that I was thinking about and putting into uh, God's Only Man. 